What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, I've kissed mermaids, rode the El Nino. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Volkebaum. And Joe is out on vacation and uh, he will be back soon. I think he's probably having amazing adventures right now. Yes. And we. So, well, yeah, as of this recording, I think he might actually be back in the future when you hear this. Right. Well, even then, he'll still have amazing adventures. He is the keeper of the mystical axe. He is. So, which we have not had in our podcast room for a long time. Uh, but we have had it in our hearts. That's true. Where, where we keep our axes, uh, <laughs> which is dangerous, by the way. I do not recommend yeah, it. Yeah, no. Uh, speaking of danger. There's a danger of doing a video about breaking news in science, because sometimes that breaking news turns out to be a different story than what we first had thought. 
Mm-hmm. Which brings us to today's episode. So way back in March of 2014, uh, we're recording this in late September 2014, researchers at the Background Imaging of Cosmic Extragalactic Polarization 2 project, uh, otherwise known as BICEP, which is a lot easier to say. Yep. They announced that they had discovered patterns in the cosmic background radiation that matched what they expected to find as a result of gravitational waves, which was a big deal. And I did a forward-thinking video episode about it that published on March 26, 2014. Uh, so why is the hypothetical discovery of, of some waves a big deal? Well, gravitational waves are something that is predicted by a specific interpretation of the Big Bang theory of how our universe started. It's specifically the inflation model of the Big Bang theory. So their after effects of the event, they're not directly detectable by we mere mortals. We can't see gravitational waves, but we can look for their presence by the way they might affect something else. Sure. Like the cosmic microwave, microwave background radiation. So uh, the inflation model specifically describes that rapid expansion of the universe in a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, et cetera, et cetera, of a second. It's, we're talking... The, Such, the first moments that the universe existed. Yeah. The you, very you, beginning of time. Calling it a moment even seems weird because we're talking about 10 to the negative 36 of a second to 10 to the negative 33 of a second. Poof. Narrow window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in, I guess, the terms of uh, cosmic inflation, it's an eternity. But for, for those of us <laughs> right. who are living on our scale, this is a moment that is unimaginably fast. But in that moment, the universe expanded to an incredible amount, faster than the speed of light. However, we're talking about if you are looking at the universe from the outside, which don't even get me started there. That's a whole other conversation. But imagine you could look at the universe from the outside. You would see this thing expand faster than the speed of light. Now, within that universe, everything is obeying the various laws of our universe. Also, it was so dense that light couldn't even travel in it at this point. So, uh, this would have been uh, an incredible moment of expansion, and physicists believe that one of the byproducts would be gravitational waves. So, those gravitational waves would, according to this model of inflation, have a certain alignment in our, our universe. They call it handedness, and it's kind of the, the curvature of the wave. Okay. So... The BICEP2 team were making these observations. They have a, a, a telescope at the South Pole, and they were looking for signs of these gravitational waves, and they found what they thought were those signs. Um, they saw twists in the polarization of the cosmic microwave background radiation, and that appeared to be an alignment with the way the gravitational waves were predicted to be. And in fact, there's an amazing video. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have seen it. It, it was really very dear. Yeah, I shared it when it when it first uh, hit the web. But uh, Andre Lindy, who's known as the father of inflation, uh, cosmic inflation, not monetary inflation. Uh, right, right. He's he's kind of one of the original purveyors of this concept. Yeah, uh, a, a student who had worked on the Bicep Two project went and visited his home, Lindy's home, and told the professor about the findings. And it was a very emotional, joyous reaction because here was this, uh, this hypothesis that this man had put forward and he fully expected that there would never be any confirmation of that within his lifetime. Well, the support 
from the BICEP2 finding would mean that there would be a stronger foundation for that particular Big Bang model of how our universe sprang into being. Uh, it is not the only model that's been proposed um, there. And there are variations on the Big Bang theory and there sure. are variations that or there are other models of the universe's uh, existence that don't really follow the Big Bang theory. And at the time, the researchers at BICEP2 said they felt very strongly their results were reliable and not due to error. They had analyzed the data for three years before announcing it. So this wasn't like a brand new discovery. They looked up in the sky and saw it. This was they saw something and then they subjected that to analysis repeatedly to make sure that what they were looking at was what they thought it was. And they said they had even eliminated the possibility that cosmic dust ca- caused a false reading, which means now we've got science, right? Yeah. Okay, so by May of 2014, other researchers already began to question if perhaps cosmic dust might have caused an issue after all. That even though the team had said that they had accounted for that, mm-hmm. it may still have uh, ended up affecting the, the results And in September 2014, so it's the week that we're actually recording this, another team of scientists, this time with the European Space Agency's Planck satellite, said that they had discovered far more space dust out there than what was previously believed to exist. In the specific window of space that the BICEP researchers were looking into. Yeah, they essentially said, look, it's dusty out there and there is no clear view at all, uh, even though this one particular sp- site where BICEP2 was stated was thought to have been relatively, relatively yeah, right. It turns yeah. out that there's no such thing. Well, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, right. They had accounted for some space dust, just not enough. And the thing about this dust is that light from it can be polarized by magnetic fields in space, creating swirls that look an awful lot like what we would expect these gravitational ripples to look like. Right. Now, the scientists at Planck... Uh, with the Planck satellite, are very careful not to say that the BICEP2 findings are false. Mm -hmm. What they do say is that it's likely that space dust could account for at least some of the data that the team has come up with that they say are are their results. And uh, they say, well, this, this new finding brings that into question. And so researchers from both groups are going to work together and compare their their respective huge amounts of data and try to determine what extent, if any, space dust might have corrupted those findings. So it could be that we still find evidence for gravitational waves after all of this settles. Uh, sure. It, it's really difficult to suss out is the thing. It's not like with a camera that you would use where you just twist a ring on the lens and visually confirm that what you're looking at is in focus, right? right? Or, or what exactly within your field of vision you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to compare image brightness using several frequencies in the electromagnetic spectrum, which is what most of these sat- satellites, um, telescopes are using. Mm-hmm. And um, and also take into consideration, right, that polarization of the light. And yep. so this data combined can help you distinguish between things in near and far fields of view and also identify dust, the, the, the noise of right. the dust from everything else going this on. This really reminds me, I mean, it, it's it's a crazy uh, uh, comparison to make, but if you've ever seen those videos from a security camera, like at a gas station, where there's some ooh, creepy ghost, uh-huh. and it turns out it's a bug that's walking across <laughs> the lens, and it's because the camera's focal point isn't close enough, right? right? right. You can't, nothing that is that close to the camera is going to be in focus. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a very 
like macro v- version yes, of exactly. Ooh, creepy gravitational waves. Yeah. But no, nah, yeah. it was dust, y'all. No, no. Maybe, maybe. We don't know. It may turn out again that there are uh there is some evidence of gravitational waves there, but that the the thought right now is that those waves are going to be significantly weaker than what the Bicep 2 team originally thought. Uh, which might make it necessary for people to kind of reevaluate how they think about this particular model of the universe. Right. Yeah. It may just mean that some of the models of the inflation are a little off. Uh, in fact, when this finding was first announced by the Bicep 2 team, they actually said these waves are much stronger than what we had anticipated. So it could be that this all just sort of evens out in the long run. Huh. I mean, that <laughs> is a possibility. So the worst case scenario for the Bicep 2 team is that the Planck data ends up invalidating the earlier findings entirely, where the space dust ends up being the full extent of what they discovered, and they did not, in fact, notice the polarization of cosmic microwave background radiation. Mm -hmm. Now, that does not necessarily mean the gravitational wave hypothesis itself is invalid. Right. It just means that the evidence we thought we had isn't what we believed it to be, and that maybe there... And that we need to find new evidence. Yeah. We need to find a new way of engineering a test in order to look for that stuff. Exactly. It just made me that, you know, the evidence is still there. We just have to find the way to find it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can't be certain that even if the Planck satellite data does invalidate those results, that the hypothesis itself is wrong. It just means that we don't have the evidence to support it anymore. Um, Uh, Right. So this is... This isn't quite the sad story that it might seem like on the surface. Right. This is actually a great story. And the reason why it's a great story is because it really illustrates how science is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And this is what is we really wanted to talk about. We kind of use this as a, as a launching pad to do two things. One, to address something that was said in an earlier video. Mm-hmm. And two, to talk about the scientific process. And it sounds like it is kind of a bummer to have your discovery invalidated, but that's how we get at the information that gives us a better idea of how reality works. Yeah, that is how we science, in fact. Yeah, if we didn't do that, if we just decided that every single time someone discovered something and there was no critical analysis of it at all, that that was reality, we would have a very skewed vision of reality. We'd be back to humors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and this isn't wishy-washy either. I mean, sometimes in some portions of the media, you you hear people misinterpreting this kind of discovery process or or process of questioning as you know, scientists don't know what they're talking about. And well, that's the point. No, yeah. scientists don't know what they're talking they're, about. They're, we're we're questioning it questioning it all the time. Right. And if it turns out that it holds up to the questions, then you feel more confident about the answers. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's not a black or white scenario. I've seen so many stories that have tried to um to summarize this particular a story about the Planck satellite data as Planck satellite data invalidates Big Bang Theory. And I think, well, now you are uh, grossly over exaggerated what has happened. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's some critical thinking is needed not only when you're doing science, but when you're reading science news. Yes. That's uh, very important. Very and much so. So some things we're pretty darn sure about. So with those things we're really sure about, it would take extraordinary evidence to the contrary to make us change those those ideas, those thoughts, right? So like the theory of gravity, uh, it would take 
extraordinary evidence for us to significantly change the theory of gravity. That uh, theory of evolution is another great example. It would take extraordinary evidence to really make us say that theory. Oh, wait, we were wrong. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, again, I know all of you guys out there know this, but in science, a theory is not I have an idea. Right. A theory is where we have a body of information about something that we are extremely confident reflects reality. Yes. And when we say extremely confident, we do allow for the possibility that there could be something that's wrong and needs to be tweaked. Yeah. There might be tiny elements of it that need to be fixed, but it's very unlikely that the full collection of ideas is wholly incorrect. If it is, that requires phenomenal evidence to support the objection. And this is how science works. Uh, okay, so so this sounds an awful lot like we're talking about some kind of method of doing science. Wow, if only we had a term for the method with which science is put to use. You mean you mean the scientific method? That would be brilliant. <laughs> yes, it is the scientific method we're talking about, which is not a brand new idea. Oh, certainly not. Uh, what we know today as the scientific method came out of the Renaissance and the thinkers influenced by it in the surrounding centuries there. Mm. During the Renaissance, the Catholic Church started backing off of its domination of public thought. Uh, you know, that their persecution of resistors to their dogma led in part to the Dark Ages and its 600-year erosion of, of kind of civilization as we know it. Yeah. Circa 500 to 1100 CE. Europeans during the Renaissance became, A, reacquainted with ancient Greek and Roman works, and uh, B, their entire capacity for dealing with data and mathematics were vastly expanded by Islamic influences. So all of that was super rad. Um, and and a, a few people were really quite key in, in bringing the scientific method into being. Uh, first, in the early to mid 13th century, we have Albertus Magnus, who made the distinction between revealed truth, i.e. like from a divine power, and experimental findings. Mm-hmm. Then, in the mid to late 13th century, Roger Bacon called for an end to blind acceptance of popular ideas. He particularly targeted Aristotle's work, uh, which was really just to point out that even great thinkers can be and frequently are wrong about things and that evidence must always be considered. Right. This is this is the rise of critical thinking, something yeah. that we stress all the time on this show. Yeah, yeah. Um, then in 1621, influenced by the scientific work of folks like Copernicus and Galileo, Francis Bacon published a proposed approach to scientific inquiry called the Novum Organum Scientiarum, uh, because Latin was super posh yeah. at the time. It was it was the 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 language of currency at that point. Ugh. Uh, but, but yes, this, this paper that this was published in put forth inductive reasoning as the best way to science. And, and really the, I, he didn't phrase it quite like that. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really speak Latin very well. So maybe that was how he phrased it. Um, but, but really as the only way for humankind to master the world around us. I like that we have to thank the Bacon boys for. A lot of uh, the scientific method. Uh huh. Um, and and this paved the way for folks like Isaac Newton and Robert Hooke and Louis Pasteur to make and test observations about our world that still vastly influence our civilization today. Um, and and for them, I mean, and you know, continually for us, 
disproving ideas was every bit as important as proving ones. That's a great point. If uh, if your if your scientific presentation is not falsifiable, as in there is no way for someone to pre- to present, check against you, right? right? Yeah, there's no way to present a counter to it because it relies on something that isn't itself unfalsifiable, that's not science. Right. Uh, you have to have it be falsifiable for it to be science. And uh, that doesn't mean that it's that it itself is false. It just means that you have to be able to have a scenario in which evidence contrary to what you found would prove it to be wrong. That doesn't necessarily mean that evidence actually exists. It just has to have the possibility of existing. And uh, if you are a really good scientist I mean, no one likes to be proven wrong. Let's get that out of the way. Well, sure. Right? No, no. Yeah, I, I hate it when it happens. It happens frequently, and I hate it every <laughs> single time. However, if you're a good scientist, you accept that as a possibility. And when someone provides an objection to something that you have put forth, then it is the responsibility of scientists to make sure to look and see, does the objection have merit to it? And if it does, then you have to go back and look at what went wrong. Maybe it was the methodology that the first scientist used in his or her experiments. Maybe it was a mistake in analyzing the data that came out of the experimentation process. And through this, we can get closer and closer to uh, what we believe is to be reality, <laughs> keeping in mind that we're filtering, filtering everything through the human experience. So, oh, sure. You know, we're, we're measuring what we can measure based yeah. on our limited senses. Yeah, there, we know there's stuff out there that we you know, like gravitational waves. We know there's stuff out there, or at least we highly suspect there is stuff out there that we cannot directly observe. Mm-hmm. And so this becomes really super tricky. Yeah. But but it's important, right, to uh, to be able to accept the fact that you can be wrong and to be proven wrong is not is not a strike against you. It's a strike for science. Oh, right, right. It's the entire thing is a revolving process of asking questions and finding ways of testing hypothetical answers to those questions. Right. And so if you are encountering someone who resists that, who says that they don't want people questioning their work, that's a warning flag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you were to come up and uh, and you see a critical analysis of someone's work and that person, the person who's being analyzed, is uh, re- being reactive in a negative way, they're saying, you know, this you're being ridiculous or whatever, uh, assuming that the critical analysis is, in fact, merited, it not always is. Correct. But if it is merited and the person is putting up a big fuss about being analyzed, then that is not a good sign of science. Uh, you know, you a good scientist will welcome analysis and criticism. Um, and if things all went well, then what you end up with is uh, uh, other scientists replicating that first scientist's work to make sure that the results are also replicable. And if they are, that's great. It means mm-hmm. that it adds to our vision of what reality is. So... This is where we get into things like, uh, let's say I make an extraordinary claim and let's say I even get a patent for my extraordinary claim because this has happened where uh, I, I claim that I have created a, uh, a, a perpetual motion machine, which, according to our understanding of the universe, is impossible. Right. right. Yes, very much so. But I've got the patent for it. I've even put off 
I put on some demonstrations where I got a thing that seems to be working, but I don't let anyone get too close to it because, you know, <laughs> I don't want to end up breaking my one working prototype. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that's an extraordinary claim. And if I resist any attempts to analyze that, then that's a warning flag. Um, and uh, just as we have to take a critical eye toward the science, we also have to take a critical eye toward those who object to the science and make sure that those objections are, in fact, merited. Mm-hmm. Evidence needs to be supported on all ground. Yep. And that's where that's, we get into that scientific method. That's what it's about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's the whole prove it <laughs> part of science. So the, the cool thing to me is that these two teams, the Planck satellite team and the BICEP2 team, are going to work together. They're mm-hmm. going to look at this data together and they're going to determine what to, you know, what is as close to the truth as we can get according to all this data. And after that, we will have a better idea of whether or not there were any gravitational waves detected in that amazing discovery that was announced back in March, or if that was just a misguided uh, misinterpretation of the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, it's not something to be discouraged about. It's something to be happy about because it means the process is working. Yes. It's, so, it's the coolest possible failure. Yeah. In fact, scientists say all the time, uh, well, at least the theoretical ones do. I don't know so much about the experimental scientists, <laughs> but uh, scientists say all the time that they that failures, in a way, are more exciting than uh-huh. successes. Because a success, well, all that does is it tells it confirms something that you suspected. And and it basically means that you need to find other ways of attacking it. Yeah. Or, yeah, you got to, you know, well, we proved that. You guys want to go to lunch? But a failure means there's something else going on. You got to figure out what that thing is. And that's the exciting discovery part of science, mm-hmm. right? So, um, some, some scientists appear to be masochistic in that way. They want, they want to see more failures because it means that there's more stuff going on. The Higgs boson is a great example of that too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There are a lot of scientists who were saying, I kind of hope we don't discover the Higgs boson because if we do, that's almost like a dead end. Like we, we found the thing we thought was there and yes, it was there. And now we're done. Whereas if we look for it and it's not there, something else is going on. And that's really exciting. Uh, for those of us who report on science, we kind of like to have a the end. <laughs> uh, the the ends kind of do make stories better a lot of the time. Yeah, it does make the narrative easier to tell. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, at the same time, uh, there's a lot to be said for it to be continued. Yes. And in fact, that's what this show largely is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all about looking at the future. Which, uh, spoiler alert, guys, we're not there yet uh, and never will be because tomorrow is another day. <laughs> but uh, it does mean that we get a lot of to be continued in this. So, Lauren, thanks so much for, for really getting into that research on the on the history of the scientific method. That was super cool. And even as a medievalist, I was not aware of a lot of it. Um, yeah, a medievalist who does a podcast about the future. It's a weird world we live in. <laughs> So, uh, guys, if you have any suggestions for future topics that we can tackle, maybe there's an old episode of Forward Thinking that we've done that you think merits a revisit, kind of like in this instance, where new information has come up and we really needed to address the fact that things have changed. You need to get in touch with us and let us know about it. Let us know on Twitter or Facebook or Google+. You can find us on Twitter or Google+. We have the handle FWThinking. Just put FWThinking in the search bar over at Facebook. It will pop right up. Leave us a message, tell us what you think, and we'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com.
Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot slash iHeart.